Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 21, my first concert. <laughs> Hey, Chris McBride here, along with Yancey Eaton. This is Pop Goes Your World. Yancey, tonight's topic is one that's very, very close to your heart, obviously. You're, you know, all the things, times we talk about movies, TV shows, all that kind of stuff, music is really right in your uh, wheelhouse, needless to say. Mm-hmm. And so we're definitely going to get to that. But before we do, is there anything you wanted to share with us from the past week? Been into doing anything fun, exciting? Um, I mention them every single week, but Run the Jewels keeps teasing singles. Uh, their album is coming out in January, and I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, a bunch of websites like Run, sorry, Run, Run the Jewels. This is Run the Jewels. Yeah, yes, tell me a little bit a, about Run the Jewels. Is this like is this like my neck full of gold? It's just like your neck full of gold. Yeah, it's a LP and Killer Mike. Uh, it's a collaboration between the two of them. It's a fantastic, fantastic combination they just feed off each other so well they do all their own beats by themselves and stuff it's just highly produced super super awesome music it's very vulgar but it's incredible um you know they're they're teasing stuff at the drive-in just released a new single for like the first time in like 18 years which is like one of my favorite indie bands of all time uh true story i actually whenever instagram first came out um i thought i was like really clever i was still like a little punk and I was basically snagging up all these different usernames. I was creating like multiple accounts of all these band names that I love, like obscure indie bands and stuff. And I stole at the drive-in. Like I still own the account, the official at the drive-in. And I felt bad about it for years. I've tried giving these bands back all of their usernames so that they can use them for their official, you know, Instagram accounts and stuff. And uh, like I, I gave Fleet Foxes theirs back, and they sent me a whole bunch of like swag and like vinyls and stuff like that, which kind of like rewarded bad behavior. And I still have at the drive-ins, and I'm trying to give it back to them, and they will not answer my tweets. So at the drive-in, if you are listening, if you need your Twitter or if you need your Instagram account back, please, I want to give it to you. I'm sorry. I don't want anything in return. Like, please take it back for me. Um, and I will like release me of this burden that is having your Twitter, your uh, Instagram handle. Take it from me, please. Speaking of at the drive-in, I have a Canadian joke for you. Did you hear the joke about the two Canadians that died at the drive-in? I did not. Yeah, they froze to death. They went to see the movie closed for the winter. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just so awful. Um, anyway, uh, so anyway, you want to just get to it? You want to start talking about uh, the first concert that we ever attended? You want to jump in? Let's do it, man. All right, here we go. It's AT-ATs, not AT-ATs. I do understand your reasoning with the whole hype in. So maybe it's a, it's an American thing, AT-ATs. I don't know. I refuse to accept that, to be honest with you. I'm going to go all the way to the top if I have to. Until I hear it from, like, George Lucas's mouth. And, and we'll get an answer, but... I don't have anything to back it up. It seems pretty conclusively that it's AT-ATs, not AT-ATs. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I'm going to let you take things away first of all. This is, I got a couple questions for you. So, like I said, music is right in your wheelhouse. That's like your big thing. So this is like this is your this is your jam this week, uh, Yancy. That's for sure. You definitely have uh, have a leg up on you know with when it comes to music. So, what was the first concert you ever attended? The year, the band, opening act, all that kind of stuff. Tell me a little bit about the first concert you ever attended. So I think I was 12 years old. Um, and a friend of mine from school, really good friend of mine, actually one of my oldest friends, we're still friends today. Um, he invited me uh, to a Christian concert at our local uh, ECHL, you know, where the Everblades play. Yeah, at yeah, this the Everblades. Yep. 
And uh, I was like, yeah, I'll ask my mom. I, I don't think she'll let me go, whatever. But my mom did. And so he went and picked me up and stuff. And it was it was Skillet, it was Toby Mac, and it was uh, Jeremy Camp. Three, like I said, contemporary Christian bands are kind of like rock bands. You know, they'll sound like something you might see on like uh, – you know, kind of like your your new metal station or whatever. But like I said, they're, they're Christian bands and stuff. And it was, at the time, the most awesome thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. Just because, like I said, I, I had never been to a concert before. It was my first one. And uh, it was, you know, looking back now, I've gone to a ton of concerts. I've gone to a lot of metal concerts and hip-hop concerts. And uh, it was probably the most PG thing I've ever been to. Like, everybody remained seated, and there was no cursing. There were no drinking. There wasn't any, you know, y- 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 there was no waft of, of sweet marijuana, you know, like, just drifting through the air. It was very, very clean, but it was still a really, really good time. To this day, Skillet, you know, as weird as it is, Skillet, it's a, I think it's at this point just a three-piece band, two girls and a guy. One of the better bands I've ever seen live, you know, which is really kind of weird thinking, you know, that, like I said, it's a contemporary Christian band. But uh, that was my first experience. I was completely hooked with live music. I had never heard of any of those bands before, and I still just had, like, a phenomenal time. And from then on, I became absolutely obsessed with live music. And that was in 2000, I guess it was. You said you were 12 at the time, so it was around I was, like, 12 or 13. I yeah. can't remember the exact age yet. But, you know, my family – I have a bunch of siblings and stuff like that. So for my family to take all of us to a concert, was that was asking a lot just financially and logistically so going to concerts and stuff it wasn't something that we ever really did a whole lot so once I started becoming like an early like a preteen and like a teenager then I started going to shows and stuff by myself but I think that was the first one I could be mistaken but you know from what I can recollect that was my first concert so it was Skillet and who else was there? it was Skillet it was Toby Mac uh, who I used to be obsessed with like (laughs) obsessed with and then uh, the other one was uh, Jeremy Camp who Kind of, kind of like Toby Mac, except a little bit more rock. Uh, Toby Mac is kind of like, um, you know, he does a bunch of different stylistic things. Like he'll do like hip hop and, and pop music and just like straight rock and stuff. But um, Jeremy Camp's a little bit more just like new metal rock type of stuff. Really nice voice, good singer. All like super, super Christian. They're all, you know, they're all wearing Jesus Freak t-shirts and wearing like conch seashell bracelets and stuff. So um, <laughs> it was just, it, it's a, it's weird to like look back at that time because like I literally thought those dudes were like the most metal thing I've ever, I've ever experienced. <laughs> yeah, have you ever heard of a band? So, you know, speaking of like Christian rock, especially Christian sort of hard rock. I know who you're going to talk about. Striper. Go ahead. Right? Yes, yeah, I knew you were going to talk about them. Because yes. I remember, I remember uh, they had an album called The Yellow and Black Attack, and they all wore mm-hmm. like the yellow and black, like, you know, like uh, like, like like the Killer Bees. They were like uh, yep. J- Jumpin' Jim Brunzel and B. Brian Blair. Uh, they were the, the Killer Bees, right? And, they spelled uh, it with a Y. But yeah, they spelled it with a Y. Striper, yep. exactly. So, uh, by the way, that, that my, my Killer Bees is uh, is a wrestling um, is a wrestling reference to you. I know you're not really big into wrestling, but we definitely got to do a show on wrestling at some point. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So I just remember Striper being like this heavy metal Christian band, but I'm, I don't, I'm not really familiar with their music. I don't know. Do you know them? Have you, you listen to them at all? Um, you know what? You're you're not the first person to mention them to me. Um, I got into like this whole phase where like I was listening to like just tons of like Christian metalcore bands, which is like, um, it's almost discernible, you know, completely undiscernible that they're Christian music at all. It's really hard with, you know, breakdowns and heavy guitars and stuff like that. And uh, a bunch of people would always tell me like, hey, you should check out Striper. You should check out Striper, you know, like older guys, you know, middle-aged men and stuff like that. And I did listen to them. I'm not going to lie. They're not fantastic. They're not bad. It wasn't like my taste. If that were the first thing I were introduced as far as like that genre of music, I think I would have liked them a lot more. But it's um, it's almost like listening to like Led Zeppelin and then somebody being like, 
you should check out Air Supply. You know, I'm like, <laughs> right. No, I don't. Yeah, I think, think I'm good. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't think so. Uh, well, well. Speaking of heavy metal, we should talk a little bit about the first concert I ever attended, and this was back in 1984. And of course, I've mentioned on the podcast many times that my fa- that my favorite uh, band was Triumph. And so mm-hmm. go figure, try, that was the first concert I ever went to. It was in 1984. I was 14 years old. And I remember, so I'm from a town called Port Elgin. It's in Ontario. It's a really small town. And I remember at the weekend, I went down to my buddy's place. He lived in King Carden. It was just like, just down the just down the lake from us. And so we went down there, we hung out. And then we, we actually, it was a bus tour that was set up uh, from some people in his town had set it up. And we took a bus from there, us and a whole bunch of other people, down to Guelph, Ontario. So Guelph is, I don't know, a town of about, 85,000 people in Ontario here. And Can you spell that for me, Chris? Guelph is G-U-E-L-P-H. And Guelph. Guelph, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so it's a city, like I say, about 80,000 people, something like that. So we go down there and we went to the arena there in Guelph. And so like at the time, when you come from a town of like Port Elgin, like I went into this arena, like it was like the biggest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Like it was this huge arena, which I bet you if I went in there today, I'd be like, Holy smokes, this thing's small. But, you know, at the time, right. 14, you think it's the biggest thing ever. And so we go in there and um, and I know you mentioned the sweet smell. I remember that was one of the things that really struck me was the <laughs> smell. And I was like, oh, my, you know, I'm still 14 years old. I don't know anything about this kind of stuff. I just wasn't, right. it wasn't my thing, right? So I'm like, oh, what's that smell? Holy smokes, you can, you can smell drugs in here, right? It's like, oh, my God, what's going on? And uh, the opening act was Helix. And anybody that's from Canada, they're going to know all about this. So Helix was a band. They were Canadian. They were from Kitchener, Ontario. And they were pretty popular. Like, they they did have a gold album. Uh, I think it went gold in the States. It was called Walking the Razor's Edge. It came out in 1984. And the big song on there, Rock You. You know the song? Yeah. Oh, yes. my goodness. Good. Okay. So <laughs> so they did. They, they had just released that album. So they were big in their own right. And the thing was, too, right around that time, much music came out here in Canada. That's the... The Canadian version of MTV, right? But in Canada, you you might not know this, Yancey, but in Canada they have what's called CanCon. Okay, so it's called mm-hmm. it's Canadian content. There's laws in the country that if you're going to play music, you have to play thirty percent. It's like thirty three percent of the music has to be Canadian content. Okay, and it was it was a rather controversial law that came out right around that time back in the eighties, and the idea being that you know we wanted to promote Canadian music, right? And so the thing was, when Much Music came out, this this legislation that came out made them play one-third of all their videos had to be Canadian. So it really gave life to a lot of bands like Helix and like Honeymoon Suite and bands like that. Corey Hart all got all this exposure because of these these this legislation. But one of them was Helix. So Helix became really popular with Rock You and all that. They'd been popular for a while like, you know, they had done an album that was called um, to, uh, No Rest for the Wicked that came out just before that, I think it was. And there was a song on there called Heavy Metal Love. One of my favorite heavy metal songs of all time, by the way. I love Heavy Metal Love. Mm-hmm. But then when they came out with Rock You, they kind of really got big. So they opened up. And I remember they came out and I was just like, oh, my God, these guys are great. And one of the things that struck me was, um, uh, oh, uh, Brian Vollmer was the lead singer. And he... Is he the one that died? Uh, no, no, no. He's still alive. He lives He lives in London, Ontario. He actually, what he does now is, um, he had a funny story, just as, as an aside. He The band broke up around 88 or something like that. And he actually um, fell on kind of hard times. At one point, was actually working in a convenience store to help make ends meet. Like, he was down on his luck. Because one of the things was, he never had any vocal training. 
So, and he really rasped it out when he was singing and he never ever had any vocal training and he ruined his vocal cords. And so he couldn't sing anymore. And when you're, um, you know, a guy with long hair that does heavy metal in, in the early eighties, that's all you can do. You know what I mean? Yep, like that's, kind of pigeonholed, yeah. that, that's, that's your gig, right? So he, without his voice, he ended up really fell on hard times. But what happened was then he fell into, he fell in with somebody who taught him a, um, a technique to rebuild his vocal cords and to kind of work them back in. It was a proper vocal coach. And so he went on and actually formed what's called Planet Helix and it's in London, Ontario. And he trains other people on how to do this technique. And so he's really, you know, sort of kind of got back into things that way. But anyway, Helix was really, really popular at the time. So they opened up. It really killed me when Brian Vollmer got on stage because he was, he was swearing. And he was dropping f bombs and stuff like that, and saying rude stuff, and like, and I, I just remember, like, I'm 14, going, "Oh my god!" Like, it, it was kind of cool in a way. And I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he's speaking like this!" Like, I don't hear this, you know. So it was, it was kind of edgy, I guess, for me. And uh, so, and, and I really liked a lot of their music. Um, I, they, they did a, a song on that album called uh, "Make Me Do Anything You Want." It was a cover of a Canadian band called um, A Foot in Cold Water. But I liked Helix's version better. I don't know, I just always did. But anyway, so they they did their their thing. It was heavy metal. Loved it. And then I thought, wow, that was really good. And then Triumph came out. Well, let me tell you, I don't know if you're familiar with Triumph at all. I've spoken about them before. But there was I, I, I know some of their catalog. I, I'm not like their biggest fan, but like if you played them, I could probably pick them out. They did get they did get um, some exposure in the states. Uh, a couple of their songs actually got quite a bit of exposure in the states at the time. Um, I think one of their biggest was "Lay It on the Line." Probably got the most exposure down there. But uh, mm -hmm. "Magic Power" got a lot of airplay in the states when it came out around '81. But uh, in '84, they had just come out with their new album, which was called Thunder Seven, and um, one of the big songs on there, the big song on there, was called "Follow Your Heart." And Spellbound was pretty big too, but Follow Your Heart was this big song on there. And so anyway, they came out on stage after. So as a 14-year-old, I go to this concert, I see Helix, I think they're the greatest thing ever. Like, oh my God, this guy's great. And then Triumph came out and just blew the place like it just blew everything everyone away. Like they were so it's it's a power trio, right? There's um Rick Emmett on guitar, Mike Levine on bass, and Gilmore on the drums, and they were just phenomenal. The thing that struck me the most was is that just how amazing they were as musicians. Like the only drummer that I personally think that's better than Gilmore was another Canadian, Neil Peart. So from Rush. I'm I'm aware of his yeah, of his work. Like he's obviously amazing, <laughs> but I I think Gilmore is right behind him in terms of you know ability to drum. So since he's moved on from the band, Gilmore has uh, he he formed a uh, recording studio down in the Toronto area called Metalworks, and it's we're known worldwide. People come from all over. Katy Perry's been there. People come from all over to record there. So he still stayed in the game that way. But anyway, um, the th the thing that just it blew me away how proficient that they were on their instruments. And at one point, they're doing Rock and Roll Machine, which is a big song from the '70s from them. And mm -hmm. then Rick Emmett went into a guitar solo. Now I'm. I, at the time too, I'm 14. I'm just kind of like really getting into playing the guitar. So Rick Emmett was an idol of mine, like because I just couldn't believe he was such an amazing guitar player and effortless the way he plays. So I just thought he was the greatest ever. And to watch him do Rock and Roll Machine, and then in the middle of the song, uh, Gilmore stops playing drums and Mike Levine stops playing bass, and they both walk off the stage. And Rick Emmett did like a 15 minute guitar solo. It's like really like kind of self indulgent, I guess, but it was like this 15 minute guitar solo, and then. They all come back, and then the other guys go off the stage, and then Gilmore does like a ten-minute drum solo, and it was so. But they were just so good, and I just remember thinking, that's what a concert is all about. It just blew me away. So that's my experience. It was quite an experience, let me tell you, for the first time out. Let so, me ask you a question about yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you said you were fourteen years old, right? Yes. 
So who'd you go with? So I went with a buddy of mine that lived in King Carden and and a bunch of his friends from King Carden, and they were all right around the same age. So we were all we were all young, and we were all in grade nine. And your mom let you go? Yeah, so she she did. So I went down to my buddy's place, and I stayed there at his place for the weekend with his parents. And then uh, me and him and all of his friends got on this bus trip, and we went down to Guelph. It's not that it's all that far. It's like maybe maybe like an hour drive, hour and a half drive to Guelph, and went to see the concert. And then the bus brought us back and back to his house, and we stayed there. So, so did your mom give you any ultimatums before you left? Um, no. The thing was, I think, like, you know, and I'm not just saying this, like, I was a pretty good kid. Like, I was a pretty mm-hmm. good teenager. Like, I mean, I like to have a lot of fun. There was no two ways about that. But but I was good. Like, I wasn't into drugs. You know, I didn't really, like, I I wasn't a troublemaker. So right. I, I think that, you know, I, I ultimately had the trust of my parents, you know, growing up. And, and they knew that I wasn't going to do anything bad. And I didn't. I didn't do anything wrong. I went to a concert. You know, yeah, that was that was kind of the same with me too. Like I have I have three siblings, two older and one younger, and um, I love my siblings. We're all still super close. I was just hanging out with them this afternoon. Um, but like we're all different. You know, every child's different and stuff. And um, I was like you too. Like I, I I I was rambunctious in school. I did like stupid stuff. But like I also never ever lied to my parents ever. Like they never caught me lying to them. I was just always straightforward with them. And as a result, like there was like this incredible trust between the two of us. So. Like, they let me do things that even whenever I asked, I was surprised that they would say yes. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm 14 years old. Can I drive with my friends to West Palm Beach to go to a concert? Uh, It's going to be a metal concert, and I don't know what's going to be there. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Just, you know, I trust you. Just don't take anything from strangers. And, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Go. And, like, I never compromised that trust all through high school. And, like, that's what, like, enabled me to do all these things and see all this stuff. And, you know, like, my my siblings were, you know, getting in and out of trouble and stuff like that where – um, you know, you, you, you love all your kids the same is what my mom would say, but you kind of have to, um, there's like a sliding scale as far as trust, you know what I mean? And, uh, like I was very, very fortunate because like I was going to tons of concerts in high school. Like once I got that first itch of going to my first one, I just wanted to keep going and going and going. And like every summer, you know, I would go to multiple warp Torque events, you know, and, and spend the entire weekend with just, you know, people that my mom barely knew and stuff. And she was totally cool with it. I never gave her a reason not to trust me, but, um, man, to be 14 again, though, I, oh, yeah. I just, I was looking up too while you were talking about yep. Helix, Chris. They, uh, man, they toured with some big bands: oh, Kiss, yeah. Aerosmith, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Rush, Motley Crue. Like they were, they were close. They were close to like really breaking through. They well, the, and the thing was that they almost, when you speak about breaking through, they almost sort of did because as soon as um, uh, Walking the Razor's Edge, when that after that one came out, the next album that they had was called Long Way to Heaven. And the thing was on that one, it was it was kind of funny because it was like that was their big attempt to break into the U.S. because the very first song on it is called The Kids Are All Shaken. And one of the the, 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 the more like the lines in it was the kids are all shaken in the USA. And as Canadians, we were like, hey, well, wait, wait a minute. Like, are they selling out to the U.S. with this? Like, so, so I think that album really hurt them because they alienated their Canadian uh, fan base, and they never really broke into the U.S. Because the rest of the songs on the album weren't very good. That song was actually pretty good if you listen to it. Um, the kids are all shaken. It was actually a pretty good song, but the the other rest of the songs on the album aren't very good. So they didn't never really found that success, you know, that they were looking for. Helix did, uh, as opposed to Triumph. Like I say, that were you know they played some pretty big concerts. Triumph did, and and they went on to some big things. It's funny because then Triumphs. Uh, the album that they came out with shortly thereafter was um, The Sport of Kings and on that there was a song called Somebody's Out There and it is hands down the most radio friendly 
song that Triumph ever put out because they were a progressive rock band. So they they did things differently. You know what I mean? Like like their 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 their, their sound was kind of different. It didn't always just fit the mold. And but somebody's out there was like, if you, if you get a chance, go on YouTube and and look up uh, somebody's out there and listen to it. And, you, and it's right from the opening notes on the keyboard. You're like, oh, this is really radio friendly. Like it's a radio friendly song. Good vocals. You know, it's nice and clean. But um, but yeah, it never really broke into the states that big either and they ended up breaking up almost immediately after that album came out you know it's just funny they never really found that huge success kind of like the, the guys that were in your first concert they never went on to big huge success either really you know if you think right. about it but, yeah uh, i mean they still tour they still make a living off yeah. of it but yeah they never they never became mainstream or anything like that but so so why was it again just to go back to yours for a second so why was it those guys why did you go to that concert like why a christian um rock band of all things to go see um i mean to be honest with you i was just a kid and it was one of my buddies in school and um you know his his family was very you know like let's get you know your friends involved and like let's get kids in church that type of thing and they just invited me and i said yes you know it wasn't i like i said i I wasn't interested in these bands i'd never heard of them before but like it was just something to do on like a weeknight that's how you know too that like how good of a of a concert is it going to be if you're going to like a christian concert on like a tuesday night you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah like i said i just had a really good time and like i i owe him the world because it really did like it just like catapulted me into like i want to start going to shows like this is fun this is a lot of fun and i want to keep doing this see what's funny when i was that age like even all the way through high school you know how most of the time in high school people are sort of pigeonholed into you know into clicks right like you've got like you know the right. the rockers and you got like the preppy guys and you got you know the, but the thing was for me I, I was very unique i guess because i got along with every group because a lot of those groups didn't get along too well the preppy people did not get along with the you know like the popular people didn't get along with the rockers and they thought you know they but me i got along with everybody because I, I could play the guitar Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I had a, a band in high school that was a, a power trio again. Um, and so, and we were, you know, so people kind of like knew <laughs> us or whatever. They thought we were cool, you know, because I could play the guitar, I could sing. And, but I also, you know, got along really good with all the popular kids too. So I got along with, I, I was, it was a unique situation. High school was very unique for me. It was, it was a good, it was a good time. It was a very good experience. I didn't, I never felt pigeonholed into any group. But one thing that I always did like was I always liked heavy metal. I liked, loud heavy music i was i always appreciated all the guitar that was in it and i and i really liked that a lot and I, so i always liked triumph i thought triumph like i say rick emmett was just a hero like i just the, the way he played guitar just blew me away um i thought he was fantastic and i was lucky enough years later in 93 i was working in toronto uh, doing children's theater at ontario place so it's a place down in downtown toronto and um i was down there doing children's theater and the all the actors were where we our dressing room we shared across the hall from all of the acts that would come in and play at the forum at the time mm-hmm. and um so i got a chance to meet all kinds of really really amazing people over the years and but my favorite was still rick emmett the day that i got a chance to meet rick emmett and talk to him i was just like oh my god it was just so cool because he was always my hero and the, to mm-hmm. get be backstage and just have a chance just to talk to me super nice guy you know we didn't get a chance to talk long but you know i did say you know what an inspiration he was and just kind of talked about that and so it was really great. I was very lucky enough to, uh, to, uh, to to meet him. So that being said, I want to flip it on its head for a second. You know, years later, years go by now, and you know, since you were 
since I was 14, you know, like many, many, so that was in 1984. So what, what 32 years have passed? Um, I'm, curi- I'm curious. I'm curious. <laughs> so it's a big, it's a big time for me. I'm, I'm old, right? But even for you from 2000 until now, 16 years have gone by. What was the most recent concert you went to? Um, man, it, honestly, it's kind of embarrassing because the last three or four years I haven't please gone to Please say Christian rock. Please say Christian rock. No, it wasn't. It oh, wasn't no. any Christian rock. <laughs> honestly, the last concert I went to was, uh, I think four years ago, um, my wife took me to, we flew to New York and we, um, she's texting me right now. Actually, that's very weird. <laughs> we flew to New York in Poughkeepsie and it was freezing cold. It was in November and our favorite, actually it was a Christian band. I'm, oh, I'm so yes. stupid. <laughs> yeah. She and, I, <laughs> she and I had a, had a mutual, a longing, like, all right, from the time I was like 15, to 20 or 21. Please say Striper. Please say Striper. It wasn't Striper, I promise. No. Our favorite band, we both collectively had the same favorite band, and it was Under Oath. Uh, They're a Christian metalcore band, and uh, I was obsessed with them. She was obsessed with them. Um, After I went to a concert as a 14-year-old, once I turned 15, I was going to Warp Tour, like I said, at least once every single summer. I would go to the one in Orlando. I would go to Vinoy Park in Tampa. Sometimes I'd drive up to Orlando with my friends. Um, I loved going to these concerts because you could see 30 bands in a weekend you know what i mean you could see all these bands that you loved you know a lot of them were 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 junk bands that you would you know they would tour once and you would never hear from them again they would disband or you know they just didn't get any traction so they'd give it up but i was just obsessed with these bands um so under oath was like the first metalcore band that i saw and you were talking about how you loved metal just because of the guitar work and stuff like that you played an instrument so you could appreciate that level of musicianship it was the same for me with drumming i've drummed since i was 15 years old i don't talk about this a ton but i can play the out of some drums right i i mean i I can play all kinds of percussion, drum sets, snare drum, marimba, keyboard, xylophone. I love it. I love percussion. Played it in college, orchestras, jazz band, symphony. That is my that is my joint. That is my shit. You know what I mean? I love it. And so, like, to listen to these bands where these guys are just, you know, they have double kick pedals and they have, you know, just rows and rows of floor toms and, you know, eight, nine, ten cymbals and they're playing with splashes and they just, you know, it's like this whole – this, this gigantic setup of, of percussion excellence, you know what I mean? And it just got me just obsessed with metal. Like, I just, I loved it. I loved every type, you know, just, you know, grunge metal and, and death metal and metalcore and just breakdowns and, you know, getting into the mosh pits and stuff like that and just going crazy over these guys. So I'm making this a really long answer, but I'm just, uh, we went and seen uh, Under Oath. Like I said, they were in Poughkeepsie, New York. And what's really funny is if my wife was like, hey, do you want to catch a concert the next night too? And I told her, no, no, don't worry about it. We'll just go to the one concert and then we're going to fly out that next night. When we get there, we look on the poster. Guess what the concert was the next night? You'll never guess it, but it's a very big – I'll give you a hint. He just won a, uh, a Nobel Prize for literature. He was performing the next night. Uh, I don't know. Who was it? Bob Dylan. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. And you couldn't stay and go? We could have got, we could have, I just, I didn't even bother to ask her who was performing. We could have got like this sweet package deal for both shows for that weekend. And I said, no, I could have seen Dylan live. And I, I just, I just said no. So I still kick myself for that. But Under Oath was that, was the last concert that I saw. <laughs> I'd love to go to some more concerts and um, I'm starting to talk really fast and get really loud because I'm like getting excited. And like my face <laughs> is like, awesome. is like getting hot because like, I'm just thinking about it, man. I, Chris, I love concerts. I love going, I, I go completely all out. Like I'm the dude. 
just like jumping and throwing people and just uh it's such a good time for me i i, I need to go now that we're talking about this i need to go to a concert maybe a triumph concert you do oh you yeah you should too bad that they're not together <laughs> hey, do me a favor though since you since you're a drummer um you should go onto youtube and find some triumph stuff and tell me what you think of gilmore i'd like to i'd like to know your opinion you know maybe off okay, the air yeah, at some point sure. let me let me know that's for sure and just as an aside so when i was were you ever in a band were you ever in a band in high school or anything like that not like formally not like a, a formal like a you know hey we're a band but um i was always doing stuff with band like i was in jazz bands and stuff like that where we had you cool. know designated players and yeah. stuff but unfortunately all of my friends were drummers all of us ah uh, you can't really have a band with all drummers in it yeah we it all wanted to play the yeah. same thing so like that's you know that's kind of why i started learning you know, you know piano and marimba and xylophone and vibraphone and stuff like that and uh every know, good I, rock band has a xylophone player Every good yeah, one. That yes. and a you flute. Need, yeah. We need more Glockenspiel. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but uh, man, I just I don't even know where I'm going with this. You can tell I'm kind of like getting I'm like you, losing no, myself well, here. Yeah, you, were, you were never in a band though. Like you were never actually in a rock band. I was not, unfortunately. No, I had jam sessions with friends of mine. Uh, a real good buddy of mine, Devin. He he played bass guitar, and we had another friend who played electric, and we would just do like covers, basically, but never actually wrote anything original or recorded anything or funny, anything like that. Funny enough, because I was in a band in high school, and it was called Poverty Bound, and there was three of us in the band. But the funny thing was, is we didn't do any covers, not one. We were all original, all original. And, and I mean, that's really tough when you're, you know, a bunch of teenagers, you know. Yeah playing at local gigs and stuff like that and of course everyone comes out and they're like we don't know your songs you know what i play mean play something like, we know play yeah. something we know like like man play like sweet emotion by aerosmith you know i'm like well, <laughs> here, here's a here's you know here's here's one of our songs you know and it was so it was really tough but i really liked it and one of the, one of the gimmicks that we had i guess for lack of a better word was sometimes in our second set and stuff we would switch instruments so I was a guitar That's player, cool. we had a drummer, and we had a keyboard bass, bass player. And then we'd switch instruments. I'd go and grab the bass, or I'd go on keyboards, and then he'd go on the drums. And then next one, next set, we would switch again. I'd jump on the drums. And it was just kind of a... That's goofy. mad respect. It's cool. It's goofy. If I it's saw a, that, yeah. I would be so impressed by that. Yeah, it was a goofy kind of, I guess, gimmicky thing, but it was something that we just liked. We wanted to be different, but I mean, you know... I, I don't know. I guess we 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 were really into it, we're, and we wrote all of our own stuff. I was really proud of some of the stuff we wrote. But right near the end of high school, um, the one guy moved out west, and then I went out. I was going on to university, so we just split. And I've been able to stay in touch with those guys ever since. And we even to this day, like we'll, we'll message each other back and forth, and we'll just say like I'll just randomly like message them like names of some of our songs. Like you know, life in the city or blah blah blah. All these exciting, and they're like, oh yeah, they just remember that, and like it was poverty bound, poverty bound, baby. That's that's what we were. So yeah, it was very, it was an interesting time. I'm talking about that, but uh, oh, I should maybe I should mention to you what my the last concert was. I did so. Uh, you, it's very interesting. Your first concert is Christian Rock. Your last concert is Christian Rock. My first concert was Triumph. And just two weeks ago, for my birthday, my wife says to me, hey, just like yours, your wife, you know, hey, let's fly up to Poughkeepsie. Uh, my wife says, hey, I'm going to take you out for your birthday. We're going to get a babysitter for the kids. And I'm going to take you out because I know you love this guy. I'm going to take you to go see Rick Emmett in concert. So two weeks ago, we went to see Rick Emmett in concert. I think I mentioned that to you a couple weeks ago that we went to see yep. it. It was phenomenal. Like the guys, Did it go like this? So did you say, hey, I got a present for you? I'm going to get a babysitter. And you're like, I'm in. Yeah, exactly. Babies, okay, let's go. That's the present. Where, where, where are we, we going to go? I don't care. We can just go to the library for crying out loud. Oh my God. <laughs> just get a break from the kids, right? I hope they're not listening. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, so we went down to uh, down to Mississauga. It's called the Living Arts Center. And we got a chance to see Rick Emmett there. He's got a new band called Resolution 9. And we watched them play. And, and it was nice. They, they played a couple of their, their, their songs that they've done since. But the majority of the night was all 
triumph songs and it was just great because uh, even in the middle they did magic power which i don't know if you've ever heard that song or not it's one of their most popular triumph songs in the middle of magic power they went into um like a 10 minute guitar solo like it was just it was just great i don't know I, I, it really depends if you like that stuff or not but like i say if you get a chance go on youtube and listen to some of gilmore's drumming and let me know what you think i'd like to know from a drummer like a real drummer, you know what your thoughts are on that. But uh, anyway, um, you ready? You want to have? You want to mess around with the millennial for a little bit? I got some trivia questions for you tonight. You Before do we it? hop into that, I yep. have one quick question for you. Of course, lay it on me. What was the best band or you know performer you've ever seen, and what was the worst? Ooh, that's a good question. So I would say definitely the best band that I ever saw was was Triumph, and the worst only be oh, geez, I don't really want to say this but the worst was only because there was like no members of the original band sort of left was the Doobie Brothers I went to see the Doobie Brothers in 1989 no 1989 or something like that um, I wanted to go see the Doobie Brothers but at the time I think they, they had a bunch of guys that weren't in the band and stuff like that and uh, so I, did, I really really was disappointed in the concert hmm. so what, what about yours what's the worst concert you've ever seen for me, the best concert I ever saw, I think, would have had to. It would have probably been that Under Oath one, just because it was a full. It was a full production, like in an actual arena and stuff like that. You know, light shows, everything like that. All my favorite music. That was awesome. Um, they're not the best band, but like I said, just from like the nostalgic effect. Like when you listen to somebody when you're 16 years old, and that's like your band. You know, even whenever you kind of grow out of that music, like I don't listen to metal much, you know, metal core much anymore with like breakdowns and stuff like that. But it still holds like a special place in my heart. The worst band I ever saw live was actually Cool and the Gang. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> These old bands, eh? Yeah, I went to a, I went to a, uh, man, what was it called? Uh, up at the University of Florida, I used to live in Gainesville for about a year, um, and they had like the every single year they have it's like Gator Fest. I can't remember what it's called, Gator Fest or something like that. But they, it's like in the stadium, and they have a couple acts come in. Normally, it's like hip hop groups or something like that. But for whatever reason. And this year it was cool in the gang and they were so bad like they were so old and so bad the drummer is like in his own world nothing's happening like they're playing get down on it which i love and they just killed it like it was so bad it was <laughs> and i saw leonard skinner too in that same concert actually leonard skinner used to be one of my favorite bands of all time man they they should hang it up, man. They really should. Like, it, it's sad seeing these old bands that, like, you know, they're just collecting a paycheck. You know, they're living off yep. royalties and they're they're just touring off of band name. And, you know, you know, Leonard Skinner is like one of those bands where it's like, you know, Alan Collins and Ronnie Van Zant died. Like, the band should have died with them. You know what I mean? I know that yeah. sounds kind of morbid. No, mean, but you're right. But like, the band's done. It's, yeah. You know, like, that is the band. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like Led Zeppelin touring and, you know, <laughs> All, you know, there's no Bonham. You know what I mean? Like, really? You know, it's just I don't know. But they were they were terrible. Cool in the gang, really bad. If you guys see them in town, don't go see them. Don't okay. go see Leonard Skinner as much as they say that. But and oh, I just thought of another one too. I don't know if this counts as a concert, but one time I remember my buddies from university came up to Port Elgin, which is my hometown. They came up and it was it was in the wintertime and the weather was really really bad. And so we decided we go to a bar and see this band play. But what happened was the weather was so bad that the band could make it. So the the bar got this like alternate like this just these guys in town to come out and play and they were horrible like i mean they were just <laughs> awful and my one buddy started kind of john like let me just just kind of like speaking up he's like oh man you guys are awful you guys are terrible and so the guy on stage goes oh yeah buddy if you think you get any better why don't you get on stage so we did 
So we, we went and, I, and these are guys I hadn't played with, but we jumped up on stage. The one guy was a guitar player. I was a guitar player. The one guy could play a bit of drums. So we jumped up on stage and we said, okay, we will. So they're like, okay, man, go for it. So we jumped on stage and we played a set. I remember. I remember I jumped on, on the microphone and the guitar and I did um, a David Wilcox song called My Eyes Keep Me in Trouble. I'll never forget that. Oh, jeez. So I just, I don't know if that one counts. But anyway, uh, let, time now to have some fun with Yancey. Okay, Yancey. Here's what I'm going to do. Yep. I'm going to ask you some questions about major concerts in history and see how much you know. Because this is your jam. You know music. So let's see how much you know about really, really famous concerts throughout history. Okay? okay? So really easy ones to start you off, as always. Okay, so this band, their last scheduled live concert took place in Candlestick Park. That's in San Francisco, by the way, Yancey. Um, Correct. I'm yeah, a big I know. It took place in Candlestick Park um, on August the 29th, 1966. The interesting thing about this concert, though, was that it was only halfway through the career of the band, which then ended up focusing solely on creating studio albums for the rest of their career. Yancey, can you name this iconic band that stopped touring halfway through their career? They stopped touring. Stopped touring. And just focused on doing studio albums. 1966. Iconic band. I mean, that's kind of confusing because uh, I'm getting confused here. I want to say the Beatles because you I know are, the Beatles you are around that. Is it the Beatles? It is the Beatles. Now, they did do an impromptu um, concert on the rooftop of Apple Corps Records in um, 1969 with Billy Preston, but that, that Candlestick Park um, concert was the last time that they ever performed live. Go figure. In America, too, no less. Isn't that yeah. weird? Yep, go figure. Uh, okay, so this famous concert event took place over three days from June the 16th to 18th in 1967 in California. Some of the notable acts that appeared at the event were Jefferson Airplane, The Who, Grateful Dead, and the Jimi Hendrix Experience. In California, what was the name of this famous concert event? Oh man, I don't know. Is it, where's Woodstock at? <laughs> uh, that's, it. that's in New York. This one was in California. It was in Monterey, California. I don't know, Christopher. Monterey Pop. Have you nope, heard of Monterey never. Pop? Oh, my goodness. Ah, geez, I tell you. Okay. Oh. This singer was famously arrested following his bizarre and drunken behavior on stage at the Dinner Key Auditorium down in your neck of the woods in Miami, Florida, back on March the 1st, 1969. His onstage antics included exposing himself to the audience. Oh, I know this is. <laughs> This was uh, our American poet, <laughs> Jim Morrison. That's correct. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mentioned I mentioned earlier my, my buddy Devin. He's a, a dear friend of mine. Uh, unfortunately, he's he's got some uh, some really like acute mental disorder. Uh, don't really have like much talking with him. This is kind of dark, but one of my best friends growing up all through all through middle and high school and stuff. And he was the biggest Jim Morrison fan. Like he had like this. I'm not kidding, Chris. Like an eight foot poster of Jim Morrison. Like the one the album cover, you know, from the doors, like where he has like his shirt off and like yeah, you know, he's like flexing or whatever. Like he was, you know, he's a good looking dude, but like literally plastered. Like it covered half his wall. So every time I I, I even think of Jim Morrison, like I think of of, of my buddy Devin, but it's it's funny that you would bring that up. Uh, okay, December the 6th, 1969. 1969 was a big year for concerts, apparently. Uh, anyway, uh, this concert, which took place on December the 6th, 1969, uh, was supposed to be headlined by the Grateful Dead. But the band refused to take the stage because of the growing amount of violence that was taking place during the concert. So the final act to take the stage was the Rolling Stones. And during the Rolling Stones' mm -hmm. performance, an audience member, Meredith Hunter, 
approached the stage with a gun and was beaten to death by a security guard. And by the way, the security guards at the event were famously made up of members of the Hell's Angels. Can you name the concert? Oh, what state was it in? It was in California. California. You know, I remember reading about this. This was um, way it, before It was like your the time, Stones. It was yep. the Grateful Dead. It was like Jefferson Airplane. Yep. It was like it was like a like monumental lineup of like four or five bands, but I can't remember the name of the concert. It's the Altamont Free Concert. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So this one is the most famous concert of all time, I'm sure. Woodstock. Okay. It obviously uh, famously took place in August of 1969. Again, 1969. I tell you. Um, so Jimi Hendrix. He obviously famously closed the festival with his rousing performance of the Star Spangled Banner on his guitar, if you remember. Mm-hmm. So Jimi Hendrix was the final act of the festival, but who was the first act to open up the three-day Woodstock Music Festival, Yancey? Who, oh, um, mm-hmm. I let me think. It's gonna be a guess. It's gonna be a pure guess. Um, can you give me a hint? Uh, his initials are R H. I don't think you'll get it. I really don't oh. think it's a tough one. It's either you know it or you don't. It's Richie Havens. Oh no, no idea. And the funny thing was is that he went on stage. So he was the first guy. He was supposed to play for like I don't know an hour and a half or something. But because of the traffic. The, high, the local highways were at a virtual standstill, right? A lot yeah. of the other bands couldn't get there in time, so they just tell, tell it, keep playing, keep playing. He ended up going back out and doing like like four or five encores. And then he finally, <laughs> he finally ran out of songs to play. So you know what he did? He improvised a song uh, based on um, this old song that ended up becoming a song of his called Freedom. He just improvised it on the spot because he ran out of songs to play. So go figure. Just interesting trivia about uh, Woodstock and other concerts. But hey, listen, uh, always great to talk to you. You know, I uh, went a little bit late tonight, but hey, talking about concerts, like I say, that's your jam. That's your thing. If anybody would like to reach out to us, they can do so on Twitter at Yancey Eaton or at C. McBrien or shoot us an email, Chris or Yancey at popgoesyourworld.com. For Yancey Eaton, this is Chris McBrien saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 